I'm, that's kind of where I came up with the name of capable because I was so sick of people telling me I was incapable of X, Y, or Z. Welcome to the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm Amber Furman, recovering perfectionist and serial accomplisher. If you're anything like I used to be, you've been living your life thinking that if you accomplish enough stuff, you'll finally find the success you've always wanted. But what if it's not about accomplishing more stuff? What if it's about accomplishing the right stuff? I believe you don't find success. You create it by intentionally designing the life you want and having the courage to get out of your comfort zone to live your design. I went from doing what I was supposed to do to doing what I love to do, and now I get to help others do the same. Keep listening as I chat with inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day and learn how you too can live the life you've always wanted. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. I'm really excited to bring to you Alex Gilbert today. She's a New Yorker, a Mets fan, a yogi, a brunch enthusiast. I can get behind most of those things. Go Red Sox. She also has dyslexia and ADHD. After spending her career working in leadership development, she decided to start a consulting and coaching business that will help adults and learning disabilities and or ADHD like herself who have been struggling in their careers. Her business, Capable Consulting, was created to help people navigate their day-to-day workloads so that they feel more supportive and are able to reach their highest potential. Her biggest goal in creating Capable Consulting is to change the stigma surrounding learning disabilities or ADHD by reminding people what they are capable of. And I think this is so needed and so necessary. I'm really excited to bring Alex on to dig into what she does, how she does it, and what her definition of success is. Before we do that, I want to take just a minute to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Success Development Solutions and the Design Your Life Book Club. This is an opportunity for you to dig into to the experiences and knowledge and learnings of somebody who has not only lived it, but written a book about it and provided that book to the masses to read. So we read this book as a group. And then I actually introduce you to the author and you get the opportunity to ask questions and learn at a deeper level. If that sounds like something that you're interested in, click on the Calendly link below. Let's jump on a call and see if it's a good fit for you. And without further ado, let's go ahead and bring Alex into the conversation. Hey, Alex. How's it going? It's going. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for jumping on with me. Thank you for having me. And also, I know you're a Red Sox fan, but I think we can both agree we hate the Yankees. So at least we have that in common. You know what? Life is about common ground, right? Totally. It's about being able to find out what, even though you disagree on something, you can agree on that. It's a perfect example. It's a perfect example. I love it. Um, So we were just talking before we jumped on about the craziness of schedules. And so I think that you and I are not the only ones living the new, I don't even want to call it New Year's resolution, but the the fact that everybody wanted to start their life again at the beginning of the year. And now that's where we come into play. Um, And so I think that the conversation we're going to have about organization and what you're capable of is just really well-timed. Yeah, I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be great. So let's learn a little bit about you. Are you from New York? Born I'm and from, raised there? Born and raised in New York. I'm currently living in New Jersey, which is very hard for me to admit. But yes, I'm, I'm born and raised from New York. So I'm a New Yorker at heart for sure. You know, it's interesting. I have a few friends in New Jersey, a couple friends in New York, and I never realized how much of um, a rivalry or dislike there was um, until it's- I really got close to them. 
it's hard. And the thing is, I'm starting to understand why people love New Jersey as much as they do. And, you know, I was, I'm from Long Island and I could get into the city. It would take me like 45 minutes to an hour on the train versus like my husband and I drive. We used to live on the Upper West Side for 10 years and we could drive to our old apartment in 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, that's why people love Jersey. Okay. Okay. I can get on board with this. Like this is yeah. fine. So you know, I get spoiled in Vegas because I, I mean, I thought Vegas traffic was bad because I can go from at home. I can go from one end of my town to the other walking in 15 minutes. Um, wow. And then because there's just nobody there and right. there's, it, it's not that I'm fast. It's just, there's no ground to cover. Um, but then I moved to Vegas and I was like, dude, it takes so long. Like I commute like 15 minutes a day in my car. And then yeah. I met my friend who's from California and she's like, it takes me 15 minutes to get to the freeway. I'm like, nope, I'm out. Right, I will never right. complain about traffic again. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty rough. It's gotten worse during the pandemic because everyone has a car and, and everybody's taking... home. Yeah. That's yeah. It. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, all right. So you're born and raised in New York. What, we'll get to the coaching thing in just a minute, but what did you want to be when you were a kid? What was it that you thought you'd be doing when you grew up? Yeah, I have two different answers for this. One, if you asked me when I was like 12, it was, I wanted, I think my screen name, oh my God, I'm dating myself. My screen <laughs> name was like future star 2012. Um, I wanted to be a performer. I loved doing theater and acting and singing. And I played a lot of instruments growing up. So I wanted to do that. But I would say my realistic goal actually at 16 was to become a life coach. Um, really? Because, yeah. And nobody really talked about that or knew what it was. I remember I went into my dad's office and someone asked me like, oh, like, what do you want to be? And I said, a life coach. And they looked at me like, what? What are you saying? But yeah, I because I'm dyslexic and have ADHD, I just was so frustrated when people didn't see me for who I was and they only saw me as a number on a piece of paper. And my SAT tutor at the time said to me, like, she thought I should apply to smaller community colleges and, you know, all these different things that made sense on paper for someone who has dyslexia and ADHD and had the PSAT scores that I had at the time. But I was like, I have so many skills why don't you see me for who I am? Why don't you see me for my my strengths? Other people see me for my strengths and all the different clubs that I was president of. You know, that's worthy of something too. And I kind of just sat back and said, like, I wish I could motivate people to feel better about themselves and know that they have these tremendous strengths. And so, yeah, it was, I don't know, maybe, maybe I had a dream at 16. I don't know. But it was, I kind of am made it, making it all happen. So that's been really exciting. Yeah, it's so interesting to me because, um, I mean, it doesn't, without dating, because I will never ask anybody how old they are, um, <laughs> it doesn't matter what the answer to that question is, because even if you, it's 20 years ago, which would have been, you know, high school, life coach wasn't a thing. No. And so to say that's what I wanted to do, it was a thing, but it was the butt of a lot of jokes of, you know, that the, the field was just starting. So yeah. I think it's interesting that you knew then that that's really what you wanted to do, even if that's not what it was necessarily called. Right. Yeah. Um, and I also find it incredibly heartbreaking that the people who are supposed to support you the most in achieving those goals kept telling you how incapable you were of doing it. 
I, that's kind of where I came up with the name of capable because I was so sick of people telling me I was incapable of X, Y, or Z. Um, I had a lot of teachers who called me stupid or called me out in class or just made me feel less than, um, I can, honestly, there was at least one a year I could think of that just tormented me throughout the year. I also had some really amazing, amazing supportive teachers. And I'll never forget my resource room teacher in fourth grade, Mildred Paley, if she ever listens to any of these, I, I will always have a special place for her in my heart because I was diagnosed at eight years old. We had just moved to a brand new town. I mean, this was my privilege in the sense that my parents could provide all of those things for me to get me the resources that I needed. But she was one tough cookie. She really like whipped me into shape and was like, Alex, stop memorizing everything. Tell me what you understand and explain it in your own words. And yes. she would constantly do that. And I remember my mom was trying to help me organize something. And she called my mom and said, stop organizing for her. She needs to figure out how to organize for herself and what that looks like for her. And I did. And I do now. And if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have had the confidence to approach all of those different teachers and all of those, those different environments. And she was the very first person who understood, in my mind, dyslexia and understood my challenges and understood my ADHD. I'm not going to say that she didn't scare me as a kid because, you know, she was so tough, but she was an incredible influence. So, yeah, I could think about all of the negative things that were said, but it wasn't worth it. Yeah. You know, my friend and I have had this conversation a lot because she has a son who's autistic mm -hmm. and um, is very high functioning. Mm -hmm. And and we've always had the conversation of, you know, wherever he is on that spectrum, how much of where he's at is because she never allowed him to use his autism as an excuse. Mm -hmm. She never allowed him to say, oh, I can't do this because and then label himself. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me the different styles of support and growth that exist where one can say, okay, we've got challenges. You have things that may be different about you. Let's learn how to turn those into strengths. Mm -hmm. And another says you can't do this because of this label and the difference that that creates in the human that is raised as a result of that. A hundred percent. And the thing is, I mean, my parents never treated me any different. I, I recently, I mean, I was home for the holidays. So I was looking through my old paperwork of when I was diagnosed and my mom had to fill out all of this like psychological reports. And one of the things that she wrote was, you know, how she treated me at home. And she used to call me like the, the idea girl, which is funny. Like my husband and I jokingly call that when he's like, Where's my idea person? Like I need, I need her to f help me problem solve all those things, but I could problem solve very quickly and see a problem and know exactly what to do, even at a young age. Like those were strengths that, that my parents were seeing at a young age. My emotional intelligence um, was that much greater than anyone else at my age, you know, in so many different varieties of my life. My friends never saw me differently. You know, my friends who are still some of my closest friends today, um, I was always their problem solver. And these were the top graduates of my class. We had a, you know, graduating class of 300 something. They were all in the top 20, all went to like Ivy League schools, their doctors, you know, 
lawyers. They're literally all the things on paper you'd expect to be successful. And they still come to me and say, how did you do that? How do yeah. I do this? How, like, how did you learn to advocate for yourself? I'm so impressed by you. And I'm, and I sat back and said like, wait a second, what? You're salutatorian of your class, like of our class. And you've done this and you've done that. You're impressed by me. And those kinds of things that were said to me over and over again, made me feel more confident. So it wasn't just like my parents and some of the teachers that did that. It was also my friends. So that was really something special. Yeah, that's, you know, that's interesting on so many different levels inside this whole conversation about stigma and ADHD and, you know, mental health. And then also just in human behavior of being surprised that the things that we do actually impact others and reminding Mm -hmm. ourselves that, you know, you, you speak to my soul when you talk about the academic success and then still looking to somebody else to figure out how to actually live a successful life. Cause that was me for so long, you know, which is why this podcast exists because we chase something and then we realize, wait, we need to do an about face. And then we come Mm -hmm. back and we see somebody else who, for whatever reason, never chased that same thing. Mm -hmm. And we're like, whoa, how did you create this nice, amazing life that you have? Right. Uh, But what's really, what's really important to remember is that like, no matter what you're living, you always look at others and say, wait, how did they create that? Because what they have looks so much better than what I have. And figuring out how to get out of that comparison game. You know, I think that's what social media does to people every single day. It's like the grass is always greener, but it's never blue. You know what? You're only seeing people's highlight reels. That's always going to make you feel less than or that they have something that's better than you, but they're not showing you the day to day. I I remember talking to someone over the summer about Simone Biles. You got to see her gold medal moments. You didn't get to see when she was breaking down in the gym or when she fell or the times that she hurt herself or all those things. You got to see her highlight reel. And when all of a sudden she couldn't do it anymore. Then you saw the part of her that was breaking down and that's real. And that was appreciated for everybody to see because you can't just look at someone else and say, your life is perfect. It's not. And actually I think the people who post and, and have the most perfect lives actually probably have the most miserable ones because they have to try that much harder to make it look so much better. Yeah, I think it's great that social media is tending to make that shift to where Mm -hmm. it's okay to talk about the imperfect nature. I mean, we wouldn't be on a, well, we would be on a podcast like this because I don't care what other people think, but we wouldn't have the platforms that we have if it wasn't for social media opening up to being this place where people can actually talk about their struggles. And yeah, yeah. I mean, but it goes to the success too, because you made a good point with the Simone Biles and I'm going to take it back to the coaching world for just a minute where people will look at what you have and say, man, I want your life. How did you build it? And you're like, here's what I did. I have this conversation with my coach all the time Mm -hmm. and she'll share her calendar with me. And I'll be like, that looks awful. And she's like, well, if you want my life, that's what, that's what built it. And so it's a a reminder that like, not only the good and the bad, but also the hard work that creates the results Mm -hmm. that, that you see in someone. Right. Yeah, totally. I, I just, I've had so many moments of struggle to get me to where I am and I'm not really afraid to talk about them. I'm here sitting on the podcast and talking about them. I could tell you about my mental health challenges in terms of all the teachers that we were talking about earlier that really 
put me in a place of anxiety and depression that I didn't even understand as an eight-year-old, but I understand as an adult all the all the impact that that has had on me. I could sit here and tell you all the jobs that I fell flat on my face or failed at, and it built me up to where I am, to understand myself, to know what success looked like for me, how could I advocate for myself, what were my strengths, what were my needs, all of those different pieces build you to where you are. And I, you know, I, I have lived in New York my whole life and I always think of um, Avenue Q. It's not on anymore, but Avenue Q is is these puppets that live in New York. It's kind of like the Muppet Babies, like on steroids. But they have this song and it says, um, everything in life is only for now. And I always think of that song because uh, they actually, they said, except for death and paying taxes, everything in life is only for now. I feel like those pieces are very important. <laughs> those are very hard things to get over and, and deal with, but it's only for now. So if you're struggling with something, it's in the moment, it's not going to last forever. What did you learn from it? What can you take from it? What can you build on it? What's going to make this better in the future? And how can you also talk to people about it to make it easier for them. Yeah. So let's go down that rabbit hole for a minute. So talking to other people to make it easier for them. I mean, I think that words like dyslexia, ADHD, mm -hmm. any type of autism, any type of mental conversation mm -hmm. carries this almost fear of people to talk about. And they seem mm -hmm. to walk around those conversations with like this, this eggshell mentality, yeah. which when you're trying to avoid talking about something or avoid bringing attention to something, the actions that you take are exactly what brings attention to that. So how do <laughs> yes. we, yeah. You so literally just highlight half of my conversations with my clients is like, okay, you're trying to overcompensate, but like you realize you're making this more obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, on both sides of this, for somebody who is listening to this going, man, I've dealt with this stigma my whole life. I'm glad to hear somebody yeah. talking about it. And then from somebody else who says, I haven't really been around this very much and I want to be supportive. What pieces of advice do we have for both of those sides of the coin? So I'll talk to the person first who has ADHD or dyslexia or some kind of a learning disability. I don't specifically work with people on the autism spectrum, so I, I and I don't really have experience um, in that department. So I I, I want to make that clear. But mm -hmm. specifically to someone who has ADHD or dyslexia or learning disability like myself, everyone has strengths, everyone has weaknesses, and I often talk about the fact this is another origin for the name Capable Consulting. Um, and the reason I spell it C-A-P-E dash able is because I wanted people to see their cape. I think of having a learning disability or ADHD as having a superpower. And that can be really frustrating for a lot of people because they're like, I forget things. I misplace things. I, I struggle with time management. I get yelled at all the time. I'm so disorganized. How are those superpowers? Everyone has weaknesses. But if you are a superpower everyone is seeing your strengths. The only person who's seeing your weaknesses is that villain who is looking to bring that out of you as much as you possibly can. It's okay to lean into the strengths that you have, which are for someone 
who has ADHD having the ability to hyper-focus. Sometimes it's on things that you don't want, like social media. And other times it's, I can do three hours worth of work in an hour and I haven't moved. Or you can see the big picture and the little details all at once and be an incredible problem solver. You can be an incredible communicator. And that's something that other people struggle with because you are so much more in tune with your emotions and what's going on and how do you execute what you're trying to put out there. Those are strengths. It's okay to lean into those, but it's also okay to ask for help when you need it. And you need to get to know yourself to know what your weaknesses are so that you can get the right help that you need to advocate for the best possible scenario, whether it's at work or at home, from a partner, from friends, and so on and so forth. For someone who's approaching a conversation with someone who has ADHD, maybe I'll, I'll put this in the work scenario that you are managing someone who has ADHD and you really have no idea how to manage them. That I have that conversation a lot. And the, the truth is the person who is working for you probably understands everything that you want them to do, but they're taking on more than they can possibly take on because they don't understand time management. They might be a little disorganized or they might not follow your pattern. You need to allow them to open up and talk and give them the space to say, here's what I understand. Can we talk about this? Or ask them, can you tell me what you understand and let them talk about it? fill in the holes that they don't, allow them the space to ask questions, and then also share, these are what my needs are from you. What can I do to help you do that for me? And really make it an open dialogue because that's the best possible scenario. Because if someone feels like they can open up a conversation and tell you how they communicate or how they learn or what their needs are in that place, it's gonna make it so much easier moving forward to make all of those things happen. Yeah. I feel like this is, excuse me. I feel like this is just generally amazing advice and communication, leadership and growth. Mm -hmm. Um, when I first started coaching and I remember talking to my coach and saying, dude, I don't know how to fix all these problems. And they said, that's okay. They do. Right. And I said, what do you mean they do? If they did, they wouldn't need me. And she's like, no, they know the problems. They don't know where to, they know the answers. They don't know where to find them. Mm -hmm. And so she says, whenever you feel like you don't know, just ask them. And, and what you're saying is so much down those lines of, you know, asking somebody, what do you need from me to be successful? Like, this is what's expected of you in your job. What do you need from me in order to make that happen and allow them to answer and listen and adjust accordingly? And that's an amazing conversation to have that I don't think a lot of people have ever thought of. Yeah, I I have. That's been my approach every time is anytime I was working with someone, I explained how I worked, what my needs were, usually how long it would take me to do something. And then I wanted to know how they worked because it was Really, where can you find the compromise? Not everything is going to be perfect and aligned, but everybody works differently. Everybody who you work with probably should work differently. That way you have different ideas and different approaches and different perspectives. But you need to have the communication to understand all of those things because otherwise it's just frustrating. And actually, 60% of people who have ADHD or have a learning disability get fired from their jobs because they 
never had those kinds of conversations. They didn't put themselves in the right positions or the right environments or the right jobs in general for what their skill sets were, or they didn't um, want to tell anybody that they had a learning disability or ADHD. That's okay. They don't have to. I never really push anybody to do that if that's not what they feel comfortable doing. But by not sharing that kind of information and taking more on because they think that will help them look better and realize that that's actually their downfall, that's actually the thing that they're overcompensating for and making it more obvious, you know, those are the things that people get fired for. And that's frustrating and it's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so much that we're talking about is, is human behavior Mm -hmm. and, this brings me to my next question. This is a little taboo topic. So okay. I always tell people like, if you, if you want to avoid it, just tell me, um, words like ADHD mm-hmm. and not so much dyslexia, but very much ADHD get thrown around for every single person that has a hard time focusing words like depression, get thrown around for people who have a sad day and don't know how to get out of bed. Yeah. Words like I have anxiety get thrown around for somebody who is nervous about a job interview and those labels get put on somebody and then that follows them around. And that was always one of my biggest fears. Mm. I mean, I can distinctly remember, and this is part of what led to my crash, not going to grief counseling after my dad passed away for 15 Mm. years Mm. because I went once and somebody tried to put me on depression medication Mm. Because apparently it's not okay to be sad when your dad passes away at 18. And I never went back because I was like, I won't be medicated. I won't be labeled. I won't, I won't do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so frustrating. And what, when I had my crash and I started suffering from panic attacks and anxiety, I still didn't have a panic disorder and I still didn't have anxiety. I had those feelings. Mm-hmm. How do we separate for people who haven't been diagnosed, but continue to say, hey, I think I have ADHD because I can't focus. How do we separate for them the difference between lack of skills and knowledge in how to do this and an actual inability to do it because of a disorder? Like, How do we cure this societal need to label things? First of all, I'm so sorry that that happen to you. And I also get very frustrated when everything's like pill popping. I think a lot of people that I talk to um, who were diagnosed with ADHD at a young age were told once they were put on medication, they're quote unquote cured and that's all they ever needed. And that can be an incredible tool. It doesn't have to be the only tool. It also doesn't have to be the tool at all. And I think that people do need to understand that. I, I think your question though is an incredible question to ask and one that I love talking about specifically because when people say they have ADHD or that they can't focus or all of these other things, if they're a woman, if they're a person of color, there's a very good chance they actually did have it and have had it this whole time and were never diagnosed because people think of ADHD in a stereotypical way. They think of it as the little boys in class who are disruptive and driving the teacher insane and they're put on medication. Now they no longer talk and they're just like, you know, mute children at this point. Um, That's what people think of when they think of ADHD. But there's three different types of ADHD. There's the hyperactivity, which could look like in some boys at the time to be hyperactive and just wild and crazy. For girls, 
that looks like extra talkative. Um, that's why they don't get diagnosed. Inattentive is usually when you're, you know, a little spacey or you're zoning out constantly, or you are, you know, it's literally in one ear and out the other, or you have watched time lapse in three hours and you have absolutely no idea what happened. Those are real things. And then you could have both. You could have inattentive and hyperactive at the same time, which is me. I am constantly all over the place, hyperactive and talking like crazy, which is why I like to do podcasts. But it's also something that's really hard for me to focus and, and do all of these other things. And I'm constantly listening to people. And then I'm like, I have no idea what they just said. Like, now what? That's real. If you feel like you have symptoms of ADHD, something that I just described is like, oh my God, you just hit the nail on the head. That's a time for you to look up some of these symptoms, talk to a therapist, talk to your doctor, approach a coach about different ways to organize in a way that actually makes sense to you. The difference between those pieces that I discussed, and there's other symptoms, I'm just naming a few, but that and being in this society where we have to have a job and a side hustle and be, I don't know, a perfect mom or a parent or a caregiver or this and have absolutely no time in your day for you is not the same thing. Now, people with ADHD do tend to do that because they're constantly looking for the dopamine and stimulation. But a lot of people are just in this category of, I like to be extra busy and feel important and now I'm overwhelmed and burnt out. That needs some help too, whether it's from a therapist or a coach, just to like rein things in a bit. But diagnostically, they're two different things. Yeah, I I love having this conversation with people who have like actual experience with that. I'm not a therapist, or I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor. <clears throat> um, I don't have ADHD, I've never felt those things, right? Mm -hmm. So to be able to have these conversations with people who can experience it and have, I get so frustrated with the social media world, the TikTok world, the um, just the need to throw out like a joke, oh, my ADHD brain. Like that's, that's not, it's not what I'm, I guess here's the point I'm trying to make and I'm not phrasing it very well. Knowing what I know about the way the brain works, knowing that your brain will believe what you tell it, mm. telling yourself that you have something that you don't actually have for the purposes of justifying behavior that you don't want to deal with because of other emotional trauma creates things that don't need to exist in your brain. Does that make sense? Am I? I it makes that... sense. And I would also say everyone needs a therapist. Yes, especially, I agree with you. Especially during this whole pandemic, I think that burnout, that depression, that level of sadness that we were talking about, the mental health struggles, all of those things are ingrained in a lot of what you're saying. And people think that if they can't focus on their work anymore, they must have ADHD because they can't focus on the work when it's really more along the lines of, I am so burnt out. I'm so exhausted from working from home and needing a change of pace or not being able to be social or just the constant, I'm afraid to go outside and see or do anything because of the pandemic. Those are all real. Those are all valid. All of those feelings 
matter and they're okay to matter. But yes, I, I think there is a there is a defining line. And in any of those scenarios, my first approach would be start with therapy yeah. and explore it. Because if it truly is something like ADHD, as you're exploring these conversations, and this is really something deeper that you've noticed as a child, you were doing the same types of things. That's one conversation. If you're just mentally burnt out, that's okay too. But you can also talk it out and have it be something that you work out and that's what you're working out. I'm not saying that that's easier. Um, none of this is easy. Improving yeah. yourself is not easy. It's um, so painful and yeah. so amazing at the same time. Exactly. And I will agree with you that I think everybody needs a place to, a safe place to talk about what's going on. And, and you know, therapy was life-changing for me. And yeah. it took... Me a good therapist, go. not yes. one. There's a difference. Yes, it's true. And I always tell people this too, and I think this applies to what we're talking about, about coaching as well, is it's okay to not, not mesh with your first therapist. It's okay to not feel like you have that connection. It's okay to say, you know what, this relationship isn't working for me. Let me go find one that will. And these are the reasons it's not working. But so many times, and I struggle with this even now in, in some sort of business relationships, um, so many times we want to convince ourselves that we must be the problem. Mm. And so if we just stick in that relationship long enough, that the person that we don't connect with will be able to help us solve whatever we're not doing right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's okay to say this isn't the relationship for me. Yeah, I totally get that. My first therapist... Um... I was working with, I knew she wasn't like the right therapist for me. And I had uh, reconstructive ankle surgery, which if you can imagine is unbelievably, incredibly painful. I just, you name it, it was horrendous. And I was approaching the surgery and I was like, I don't think this is going to work out. Like, I don't think she's the right therapist for me. She never even reached out to see how I was after my surgery. And I was like, Nail in the coffin, you were awful. <laughs> like, <laughs> I should have listened to myself and my thoughts before, but I was so desperate to really talk to somebody that I was willing to just talk to a wall. Um, and sometimes that's that felt like enough at the time, but it wasn't helpful. Um, and then I found my current therapist who... I love, I swear, like, I will name a child after her. I don't know. She just like, she's, she's been an incredible person in my life and has helped me manage through so many different pieces. And I think there's something to be said for that. You do have to have a connection with a therapist and it doesn't have to be best friend scenario. I'm not saying that's the gold standard, but you do need to feel like you're getting something out of it, that you have a connection, that they understand you because you need to be heard and validated on their end in order to deal with whatever it is that you're struggling with. And I would really say that goes for coaching too. I, I have this approach of coaching and I call it best principles versus best practices, meaning best practices is what you hear all the time of like, here's the five best practices to deal with your ADHD at work. Those are five very standard things that work for a lot of people. But if it doesn't work for you and you've tried all of those things, you feel like a failure and the cycle continues. Whereas 
best principles means we have the same goal in mind, but how we're going to get there is actually going to be up to you. It's going to be designed for you. It's going to be how you think and how you learn. And some people don't want that approach because they're looking for a quick fix and that's not always how it works. And if that's what you're looking for, I'm not the right person for you. But if you're looking for something that's sustainable, long-term, I'm all for it. I am here for you. I'm here to support you through that journey. I'm here to listen. I'm here to make you feel empowered in who you are. I'm not going to sugarcoat the stuff that's really hard. It's hard. I've been there in so many different work scenarios, but that's okay. If you don't connect with my messaging, you don't connect with me, find someone who does if you are looking for the right support. But if what I'm saying does make you feel something, it's okay to reach out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So before we move into the success element part of this podcast, I'm interested to know, and you, you just mentioned, you know, the differences between the best practices and the best principles, which I think is really fantastic. What do you think it is about your coaching practice that is different that sets you apart to be able to specifically help individuals with learning disabilities or ADHD? One, I think it comes from a lifetime of dealing with it myself in a number of different scenarios. So I can understand empathetically on a lot of different levels. I live with this every day, I understand. I also have worked in over a decade professionally in program and leadership development, specifically designing programs of leaders and strengths and building around what they know and how they can feel like their best self. And so when the pandemic happened and I was laid off for my job. And I, as I said, I had been dreaming about something like this since I was 16. I was like, what am I doing? I, I am missing a huge portion of people who really could use this support now and who are struggling working from home and finding how to manage their time at home or create an organizational space for them so that they're not distracted or how to manage all of the different chaoses that are happening in the kitchen and the living room. And now you can't focus on your work. All of those things that are uniquely challenging for someone who has ADHD or has a learning disability that now has to transition all over again. And so I, I get it. (laughs) I dealt with all the same things and I understand how to make approaches for different people because that's most of what I do for myself and what I do for others. I love it. If people are listening to this and say, man, I really want to continue this conversation. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about what you're doing. What's the best way for people to reach out to you? So you can find me on my website, which again, I spell capable my own way. So it's C-A-P-E, able, capableconsulting.com. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. And I am capable as spelled the same way, cape, able. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Capable Consulting LLC. And I'm also offering something called a declutter your mind session, which is a 30 minute free session, brain dump. Tell me all the things that are stressing you out, making you just feel discombobulated or however you like to approach it. And we put it back together in a way that makes sense for you and organize it in a way that feels approachable for you moving forward. So you can find all of that information on my social media or on my website. 
Perfect. Um, so let's go ahead and switch over to the success element part of this podcast. So the More Than Corporate podcast was created because I felt like the more conversations I had with people about success, the more I realized that people didn't really talk about it enough in the individual definition that it actually is. So for you, what does success mean? What? How do you define it for yourself? I love this question because it was actually the one of the first conversations you and I had was about this. And I was like, oh my God, Amber, you and I are like the gentle. same person. We're yeah. No, we person. definitely. I yeah. always ask people, what does success look like for you? And I think that could be such a tough question for a lot of people. I constantly feel like I put myself in situations where I was failing over and over again because I didn't look at the situation and set myself up for success. I like, I had written a blog post about how I had to take my road test four times, but you know what? I passed maybe four times was actually what was realistic for me. And I didn't know it because the expectation is in New York, everybody fails once at least, but you know, that you would fail once, not twice, not three times, but four times. I would say approaching the scenario that makes the most sense for you. Sometimes it's obvious and it's under your nose, but I, I'll think about this in terms of starting my business. I had this idea in my head that I was going to be so regimented. I was starting at this point of the day, ending at this part of the day. This is when I was taking lunch. I was doing all these things. If you've listened to any of this conversation, you'd know that makes no sense for anybody who has ADHD, but that's how I was trained to think and learn and do my work for the last decade. I knew nothing else. None of that was successful for me. What success looked like for me was getting to know myself, getting to know what the highs and lows of my day were, getting to know when I felt my best to sit down and do paperwork, and when I felt like it was time to make videos for um, my social media, or when it was time to set up time for different podcasts to record. Not a single day of mine looks the same. I don't get up at the same time every day. I don't end my day at the same time. I have never been more productive in my entire life because I am going with the flow of what I need for me. And I think that's how I could set myself up for success. And what I really strongly encourage other people to do is get to know themselves. We have this amazing opportunity if you're still working from home to learn more about yourself and learn what your needs are. Take the walk in the middle of the day. If that makes you feel good, do it. You know, it's it's like little things like that. Yeah, I love that answer because I, when I opened my business, I went the complete other way, which is why I started <laughs> laughing because yeah. um, I was like, I've worked hard to get to where I am. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Like, you can't make me come. And so I was like, no, I, I don't care. Not doing it. Um, and I would just sit in my office and be like, okay, well now I don't have a plan, right? Because right. I didn't make one yeah, yeah. because nobody was going to tell me what to do. And I yeah. always tell people, I said, well, nobody includes me. So I just sat there <laughs> going, well, crap. Um, and of course I knew nothing about how to run a business. So then when I did decide to start doing stuff, I would go to mail stuff and realize that I didn't have envelopes, stamps, or a pen to write with because <laughs> that stuff had always been provided, right? Right, right. So there were all of these things that, that stood in the way of me just having this dream life business that was, you know, it, here's the interesting thing. I was talking to somebody about freedom because mm -hmm. for me, freedom was one of the reasons I opened my business. Mm. 
And they said, the moment that you realize that freedom isn't not having a place to be, it's being able to dictate when you do the things that you want to do and mm -hmm. having full control over your schedule. So freedom isn't not having a schedule. It's having control over what goes on your schedule and when the game changes. And, and, and that's who, true. And, and who, who, yes. You get to talk to and work with and other things like that. Yes. Yeah, no, that could be yes. huge. You um, get to say no. You get yeah, to say no. That's that really word, cool. Though. Like it's it's great. And we're we all have this love-hate relationship with the word no. And so I love that you just said that. Cause I feel like what was the movie? Was it Jim Carrey that was in the movie Yes Man? Yes. I feel yes. like we need a no man movie. Like just yeah. say no to everything. I, and then yeah. start to build back in the stuff that actually fits in your life, right? Yeah. Um, which is so much harder to do because what happens when I say no and somebody really wants me there or they don't like me or I, you know, like but there's so it, much. If it doesn't feel right for you, the answer intuitively was no. And yes. you showing up makes you look at that scenario and regret the decision of saying yes. And then you have this bitter resentment towards it. And it makes everything else that you do want to do more frustrating. So, so say true. yes to the things that... You, feel right to you and say no to the things that you don't. If you work for yourself and you have the ability to do that, that's the case. You know, yes. you can't yes, say no to your boss. Your job. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's really interesting. The idea of getting rid of that mold of what we think a day is supposed to look like yeah. that you're supposed to answer emails from eight to 10 or, you know, and just figuring out, what works for me? What days does it work for me to do social media? What days does it work for me to do this? What hours? How do I organize this? Um, on the newest iPhone update, they have um, different schedules that you can create that I just mm -hmm. found. And you can dictate it based upon location. And so I went through my phone and actually like created um, schedules for what apps can notify me when I'm at a particular location. So when oh, I'm wow. at my house, like I don't get work emails when I'm at my house. The notifications don't come up. I when I'm at my office, so I don't cool. get Facebook notifications on my phone um, to be able to help that productivity. And it's finding out what do I need when mm -hmm. and how do I allow myself the permission to organize my day in a, in a way that supports me the most. I think that that's such a fantastic approach. Yeah, I love that. Also, now I need to go look at my phone to look at this. Yeah. Thing. When I play Do Not Disturb on like at night, I know it tells me all the things that it held, except for if there's, you know, one of my favorites yeah. calls me kind of thing. But that's a very cool thing. So I noticed that my Do Not Disturb button changed to a focus button. Oh. And and then all of a sudden it had schedules you could create. I, I love that. It's, it's amazing. It's that's. So. It's important to set boundaries. And I think that's something I always talk to people about when it comes to coaching is, yes, we were talking about the ability to say no, but what that looks like when you work for somebody else is not necessarily saying no, it's setting the boundaries in which you are approachable to say yes. So I had this client who used to get emails at 1130 at night, she just had a baby. She's like, I don't want to be answering emails at 1130 at night. I said, so then you set up the expectation of you answer the email at 1130 at night and say, thank you so much for this email. I see what you're asking. I will get to it first thing in the morning. I said, if you do that, like consistently, constantly telling them you're not doing this right now, you will get to it in the morning. And like, 
just acknowledging them, you'll stop getting those emails at 1130 at night. They'll probably wait until the next morning when they know it's going to be fresh and they're going to get it taken care of at that moment. And then she told me a few weeks later, she goes, I stopped getting emails at 1130 at night. I was like, how does that feel? She's like, amazing. I was like, please go to sleep. It's time. Like you're going to wake up in a few hours. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I recently found myself in a situation where I had my phone in my hand Mm -hmm. when a client messaged me and this client was in a different time zone. And, um, I thought it was completely unreasonable that they would message me at a certain time. And then I realized I don't have to respond to this message, but I respond. You know what I mean? Like it's not unreasonable for somebody to message me at a certain time. It's unreasonable for me to feel the need to respond Mm -hmm. at all times. Right. So I actually went through, I'm a big proponent at this point of how can I, allow technology to do the things that are uncomfortable for me without me having to do them. Mm -hmm. So instead of sending somebody a message that says, Hey, I'm unavailable right now, setting an out of office message that automatically replies after a certain time frame that says, I'm, I'm out of the office at this point, I will respond within this period of time, um, which allows them to get that expectation without me actually having to say it because I'm the type of person that'll be like, well, let me just answer this real quick. I I think that's a great, great approach. I think a lot of people do that. In my old office, it was like, wink, wink, I'm out of the office. But if you really need me, you can text me or call me at this number. And like, I, I remember my last boss who I love dearly would do that. And he has four kids. And I was sitting there and I was like, you are away put your phone away. Right. And and at one point, like I thought I was going to get an email from his wife to be like, thank you, because it was just so ridiculous. (laughs) Everyone else bothered him. I just didn't. But you know, it was like, you have to set those expectations and stick to it. And I think having something that's an out of an office, out of office, that's automatic, and you literally say, this is when I'm going to respond. It's true. Beautiful. You know, it's so funny that you say that on my last podcast episode was a good friend of mine. We recorded earlier today and I asked him what the best way to get a hold of him was. And he gave his cell phone number on the podcast. And I was like, oh, Oh, I don't know whether you're brave or crazy. I don't know whether you're brave or crazy. I haven't decided yet. Um, It's so interesting (laughs) to me. Um, Anyways, I have greatly enjoyed this conversation. I think that you have so much to offer in an area um, that needs it the most. And I think it's really cool what you're doing with not only your experiences, but helping others who feel like nobody understands them Mm. and you've allowed them a place to feel understood and grow. Thank you. I, I think it's worthy of, of a conversation and I really enjoyed this too. So thank you for having me. Of course. Before we wrap up, I'd love to do a quick random round. Are you okay with that? I love it. Awesome. If you could. Hold on. uh, I'll just tell you people who have ADHD love spontaneity. So this is like. I love it. I'm I'm glad. I'm in. Um, If I wish there was a way for me to keep this random, but there's really, I mean, I guess I could always change the questions, but anybody (laughs) who listens to my podcast knows I do a random round. So it's like surprise, but not really. Um, You should do a wheel. I should. Oh, there you go. All the ideas. It's happening. I'm the random round will it's happening. See problem solver. Yeah. Um, Okay. Perfect. If you could have any profession other than what you're doing now, what do you think would be fun to attempt? I think I would still be doing something similar to this. I think I would probably be in psychology, which is such a boring answer, but 
I'm going to, instead of going with the boring answer, I'm going to tell you instead, I'm going to go back to that kid who wanted to be like a rock star because that's yes. more fun. I love right. it. It is more fun. You know, here's what you get to do. You get to be a psychologist for rock star people. There you go. Rock stars. Yes. I love it. There you go. Um, if you could time travel, where would you go and why? Oh, if I could time travel, where would I go and why? I think my husband will love the answer to this. He is during the pandemic has tried to like track his ancestry. I would really love to go back and know my ancestors because they have been in the States for a very long time. Like I want to, I'm Jewish. I'd love to know like what it was like to be Jew in the States at, you know, early 1900s and all of those different things. I think it would just be fascinating to learn more about like where I came from. That's amazing. I love that answer. Um, I'm a huge personal development junkie. I love reading. So I'm curious for you, what is the book that you have recommended the most to people? Oh, I would say, what well, colors your parachute, which is totally, um, I read it in college and it's also been something that people have said to me, but I think it's a really good self-discovery book. The other thing, and you're going to laugh, a book I talk about all the time is a kid's book and it is, I'm going on a bear hunt and I'm telling you, you're laughing at me, but you'll understand why on every page I'm going on a bear hunt. It says on their adventure. I'm not scared, but I can't get over it. I can't go under it. I have to go through it. And I think that's one of the greatest life lessons of anyone who's struggling with anything that you can't get over it. You can't bury it away. You have to go through it and you have to approach it and you have to deal with it. And I think that that in a children's book is very profound. So adults, what color is your parachute? Kids and parents go read. I'm going on a bear hunt. You know, it's, it's, I haven't checked that out and I will. When you started to say kids book, um, I, the one that came to my mind was who moved my cheese. And I thought that you were going to go down that road, the kids book that eventually got turned into a personal development book, which I, I mean, was hilarious. That too. That's a good one too. I was, that wasn't even my thought, but it was, uh, I have to, I have to look at that book again. I haven't seen that one in a long time. It's been a minute. So, yeah. um, and then last question, because you know, not only do I love to read, but I'm a huge music nerd. So what is your pump up song? What do you listen to when you need to have a good day? Oh my God. It's embarrassing to look at my music at this point. I would say anything nineties, two thousands. I am like what genre pop. Um, this is where like the teeny bopper in me, it's just like <laughs> ink sing backstreet boys, like, you know, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like that kind of stuff. I am all for it. But jock jams, like those jock jams mixes, like I am up and dancing, like that kind of stuff will always get me. I will always be in a better mood if I'm like listening to that or like the Spice Girls and stuff. I love I, that. I'm center of the dance floor at a wedding when I hear that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's um, a little depressing that those are being moved to the oldies channels. I'm not okay with it. It. No, still relevant, still relevant, still on my satellite radio. <laughs> like this has to it's be fine. what it was like when my mom would like play a song and it would be on the oldies channel. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, it's, I refuse. Totally. Except for I still love Queen and love Billy Joel and Elton John and like all, I will listen to classic rock any day, any moment too. But when I like want to jam out, it's definitely like 90s, 2000s. 
Love it. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show with me again. I really appreciated our conversation. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the More Than Corporate Podcast. If anything that was said during this episode resonated with you or provided value in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review for the More Than Corporate Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I'm really looking forward to connecting with you. If you'd also like to connect, I've created a Facebook group that is full of amazing people who also make it their mission to live their best life every single day. If that's sounds like something that you're interested in the name of that facebook group is success center head over there request to join and i look forward to connecting with you soon